BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hey, all you dick diddlers. It's your old chum, Kevin Goatee here. And boom, it's time for another episode. Gutting the Sacred Cow. I brought back one of my and your all-time favorites, and that, of course, is David, the producer, as he is going to try to debunk the myth that Say Anything is still a beloved film. Joining me again this time in the co-host seat is Ralph Sutton. Remember him? He did Wonder Woman. He did Avengers Endgame. Well, now he's going to ride shotgun and listen to David's argument why Say Anything should just shut up. Gather Now you can't leave. Guest co-host Ralph Sutton, name that film. Uh, well, that has got to be a Bronx Tale. Yes, sir, it is. I guess that one was too easy, but here we go. Nonetheless, Kevin Goatee, welcome you to another episode of Gutting the Sacred Cow, the best movie review, movie debate podcast out there where we invite guests to pick a film that they find overrated or hate and trying to convince our guests to see their argument. But the film must meet one of these criteria, widely beloved, critically acclaimed, or a financial success. We welcome back probably one of the most hated, and I use that in quotes, gutters because of you deciding David LaFerre again to join us. Thank you again. David has chosen many films that have irked our fans. Probably the one that everyone got pissed at the most for. Goonies would be number two, and Back to the Future would be number one. Yes, it was uh, it was a hard gutting, but uh, I survived. Did you? Can I ask, do you exclusively focus on shitting on 80s movies, or do you expand <laughs> out of the 80s genre? You know, it's uh, funny. It's just turned out that way. It's not meant uh, that all 80s movies are bad, but uh, the ones that I picked have been complete and utter horseshit. David also thrown out there Dirty Dancing and Pirates of the Caribbean oh. as well. Well, Pirates of the Caribbean I walked out of, so that's fine. <laughs> wow. That sweet, sweet, bassy, dulcet tone voice you hear, none other than Ralph Sutton. Ralph, how goes it, my friend? How have you been? Things are good, man. Uh, working hard. Just came back from Barcelona, ran a uh, half marathon out there, and got back a couple days ago. He couldn't wait to shoehorn that in there, David. Yep. You see that? That's oh, right. man. Overachiever. That's Been to right. Barcelona twice, did not do a half marathon. Just ate a lot of tapas and walked my ass off, saw a bullfight, and... 
you know, did all that fun. Bullfights fights were legal now in Barcelona. So they are? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw a bullfight there when I was in high school, which oh. was 94. Now and it's was, a mall. The uh, the thing is still up. The, uh, the arena is still up, but it's a mall. No kidding. I was last there in 2009, but not the bullfight part, obviously. David is keeping along his trek of deciding to destroy 80s films. Choosing one that's near and dear to every Gen X gal's heart. Say anything. A budget of 16 million bucks back in 1989. A box office haul of 20.7 million dollars. Turn that into 2023 money. $39.4 million budget. $50.9 million gross. Ralph Sutton, this did not make that much money. Well, I don't think that that matters as much on none of these things. I think it did so much better in back then VHSs. You know, right. that's when it really blew up. And uh, iconic lines from the film, iconic scenes from the film, a lot of actors and directors starting from this film. It's hard to debate the cultural relevance of this film. But does it hold up despite its I, cultural well, relevance? As someone who just watched it yesterday, I would say absolutely. Oh, we will wow. find out. Wow. We're going to hear more about that. IMDB, gentlemen, as you both know, is a scale 1 through 10 with decimal points. David, what did IMDB score have for Say Anything? Being that it's a Cameron Crowe film, which critics seem to love Cameron, I will go with uh, 7.5. And Ralph Sutton? Uh, I'm going to say 7.2. 7.3. Ralph takes difference. this one. By a by a pubic hair, critics Rotten Tomato score, as we know, again, gentlemen, one through one hundred. Ralph, what did the critics give? Say anything. Uh, well, I could cheat and pretend I don't know the answer to this one, but, but you I do. So we yeah. will then uh, let you sit this one out, Dave. Yeah. David, the producer, what do you think the critics gave this? I know critics adored this movie. I'm going to go 87. 98. Yeah, I did a little research. 98%. I do know that. Yeah. Ralph, do you know the audience score as well? No, I don't know that. I just know the critic score is 98. We'll go with you then, Ralph. What did the audience give say? I'm going to say very close. I'm going to go with 95%. David, the producer without his sunglasses today. I guess he didn't pull anyone over. <laughs> David. I'm gonna, yes, I'm going to go... Uh, 12%. No, I'll give it higher. <laughs> I know it'll be higher. It'll be probably about 70%. 85. Oh, jeez. Oh, People love this film. Ugh. Five fun facts. After learning the sport of the future, in quotes, for the movie, John Cusack continued training and has a level six black belt in Ukidokan kickboxing. Which sounds okay. completely made up to me. It and the, the guy he spars like in the film ends up becoming somewhat of a famous uh, kickboxer. Don the Dragon Wilson. Don the Dragon, yeah. Yeah, who also did a film, I forgot the name, but... Bloodsport. No, that's Frank Dukes and Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, I think he's in one of those big ones. I forget what it is now, though. It wasn't kickboxer with Jean-Claude Van Damme yeah. either. <laughs> in 2014, fun fact number two, Fox gave the green light for producers to adapt the movie into a single-camera sitcom that would take 10 years after the film's events, but apparently they did not bother to ask Cameron Crowe for the blessing. Once he found out about it, he tweeted his dismay about the project and said, quote, I have no involvement except trying to stop it. Cusack also cried foul about the project. The backlash prevailed and the project was canceled. This sounds to me as awful as that short-lived Ferris Bueller's Day Off TV show. 
You know, it's it's funny that there's so many of these where they try to do that. The most interesting, though, is that there's only one successful TV show based on a TV commercial. Would that be the Geico Caveman? No, that would be Ted Lasso. Oh, my God. I've completely forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about that? That's a, that's a fun fact, but not going to count for that. <laughs> Want to take a guess on who was considered for the roy- role of Lloyd Dobler? I'll give you two. One was a huge – actually, they both were huge in the 80s. One pretty big in the 90s. And then, uh, the other one who was not big in the 90s, huge in the 2000s and still huge. Is that up to David to guess? It's for either of you to guess. Well, I shouldn't have done all my research then. Damn I'm you, Ralph. Dave, the producer. I prepared. Two, I, I, you always do. Ralph, uh, Ralph, David, give me two names. Who did the who auditioned for Lloyd Dobler? Big in the 2000s. Uh, how about Brad Pitt? How about Robert Downey Jr.? Oh, yes. Yeah. And I really think you should say big in the 2010s. And 10s. Yeah. And how about the 80s guy, 80s and 90s guy, who was also considered for the role? Huge in the 80s and 90s. Huge in the 80s and 90s that would fit this part. Oof, that's a tough one. I had to play somebody younger. Uh, that never stopped anybody in Hollywood. You know that. Yeah, good point. Good point. I, I couldn't even guess. I'm not sure who that could be. Christian Slater. Mm, Slater. Mr. Gleaming the Cube himself. <laughs> Number th- uh, also consider for the role of Ione Sky. I want to take a stab at this one. Here's a hint. She pretty like eh, a little big in the 80s, 90s, not really. 2000s and 2010s, decently, decently, mm-hmm. decently uh, sized uh, popularity. Take a shot, Ralph. I got no. Oh, I think I saw this. It's. Uh... Is it the Flashdance chick? No, I forget who Jennifer it is. Jennifer Beals, it is not. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was. Okay, then I don't know who it is. The answer is, uh, and guys, you're lying if you don't still beat off to her, Jennifer Connelly. Oh. Jennifer Connelly. I knew it was a Jennifer. I just forgot which one it was. That's all. Boy, she Leah Thompson, possibly. Well, not, a, but... not, a, not a bad guess, but a wrong one, nonetheless. The stu- <laughs> <laughs> Number four, the studio had little faith or interest in the movie until Siskel and Ebert gave it two thumbs, quote, way up. It's about time the studios get it right. <laughs> <laughs> There's that snarkiness I love. <laughs> Number five, I gave her my heart and she gave me a pen, was voted 73 out of the 100 greatest movie lines by Premiere Magazine in 2007. I say, God, God, are they dragging the bottom of the barrel for quotes because I don't remember that line and I'm a movie snob slash nerd. No one has ever uttered that line in the last 25 years, fellas. Have you heard that? I clearly remembered the line because also the pen has significance in the movie. Yep. It shows up again at the end. end. Yep. But the the quote that I remember better than that is the kid saying, bitches, man. That was one of my favorite lines ever. Yeah. The kid. And of course, uh, we'll go right to quotes because Ralph kind of segued in perfectly to that one. And following up on that same moment, if you all know so much about women, why are you here? By choice. That one is the one we all know. And, of course, kickboxing, the sport of the future, which I forgot about it until I saw the scene and go, oh, yeah, people try that out for a, a hot second, kind of like a, a Wayne's World-ish 
quote I mean, here and there. Argue he was right. UFC kind of is an offshoot of that. So I see there's nothing wrong with that. Well, don't forget the 1990 film we alluded to earlier. A kickboxer came out a year later. Yeah, right. yeah. I agree with all that. David, the yeah. producer, any quotes jump out at you? This movie is so unquotable. You, you did steal my kickboxing sport of the future. That's the only one I could come up with. And Bitches Man is, I will say, arguably the only funny thing in that movie. Wow. It's a good line. It's a good line. Coming hot, coming it, well. it is a good line. <laughs> Ralph, any other quotes that we uh, did not cover? I mean, the one that you said is the one that stuck out to me. I remembered that line without seeing the movie again. So that's something. The uh, I gave her my heart to give her a pen. That, I mean, I remember that. I, so that, to me, is something that stuck with me for, God damn it, is it 30-something years the movie came out? 89. 89. That is. Tw- 34, 34 almost 34 yeah. Is, yeah that's crazy isn't that nuts i argue in 1989 best year for films without getting into it i'll give you the 10 out of off my head major league indiana jones and the last crusade batman field of dreams a karate kid three you can argue uh nightmare on elm street five you can't you can't argue that being a good movie. <laughs> no those are a few that jump out at me right off the I, top of my head i would head. say 99 is the best one matrix people uh, argue that uh, i'll give oh Lethal Weapon two yeah yeah, yeah. six cents stinks uh, it does not hold up magnolia no there's so many good movies american there. pie i'll throw in there i like american pie a lot matrix i agree um, but I say 89 Sixth Sense is one of those unfortunate movies that you can only watch once. Yeah, it's a one. It no watchability. I will watch The Matrix when it comes on, no matter oh, what. percent. Watch that. That's a top yeah. 10 for me right there, guys. Also done his very podcast by Don Jameson. Attempted by, I should say. Don also uh, <laughs> attempting Die Hard. So he's up there with you, David. <laughs> Oh, on the luck. on on the on the Mount Rushmore of a, of of, uh, of uh, Don Quixote Don Quixote attempts. Let's just call it that. <laughs> yeah. Let's go right where the audience wants to get out on the fun, and you know what time that is, fellas. It's Ask a Gutter at Bango Two Three Three One. Yet another movie from the '80s that I have yet to see. All right, not a question, obviously <laughs> a statement. <laughs> At Lord Snurts, that is for our next one. Oh, uh, at Behind the Rants, that's from Xyphos. Kickboxing is really the sport of the future. Are the guys at the Gas and Sip actually right? Are they right? I wouldn't have taken their advice. The advice was absolutely awful. Uh, right. They weren't right, but they were teenage kids. What, what were they going to tell them? Right. And at Delvin Cox, why does Beyond the Rant hate the 80s so much? This is clearly a grudge against anything that was made in the 80s, including me. It was my prime time. I, all the good movies that I actually do like do come from the 80s and 90s. So, you know, I just happened to pick the shitty ones. I'm, okay <laughs> I'm old enough. I saw this in the theaters. You know, I'm 53. So this was like right in my wheel. I was 19 years old. When this movie came out, this was right. right up my, I was in high school at the time. Right. And you remember liking it then? Loved it then. There's, watching it back now, there's a couple of things that I thought were kind of silly. But we'll get into it. We'll get into that we'll part. We'll get into it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get, get into it. it. <laughs> this was like, so I'm the youngest. This came out when I was 12, about to turn 13. So this was the, uh, this is the, the, the turning of the corner for young Kevin Goatee and his maturation, or should I say immaturity years. At Lord Snurts, are there are the parodies of this famous scene, and that of course being Cusack holding up the boombox, more entertaining than the actual movie? Answer short, yes, by far. 
at Taco Shirt. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Ralph. I will say that shocked me is how in in remembering that scene so vividly, how short it was in the movie. It's fucking four seconds at most. And how much that stuck with the zeitgeist of humanity since then says something about that scene because I didn't know how it was. It's really is an insignificant scene in the movie. But boy, did that speak volumes at the time. I give that credit to the song, not the scene, because that song just it blew up. It it was huge everywhere in radio. And it's it's actually a great song, but it got overplayed. And after a while, I really started to not listen to that song. I'll, I'll defer to the former strip club radio DJ, Ralph. Was Peter, was that song, was that, did that come out then or was it out before it? And it, it, just, it came it out a little it. bit before then and it wasn't going to be that originally, but they ended up using that that song. It was going to be a Billy Idol song, I think. And uh, by the way, if you've never heard it, there's a cover acoustic by a guy named Jeffrey Gaines that's fucking unbelievable. Even if you think you've gotten sick of the song, Look up the Jeffrey Gaines version of it. It will make you like the song again. No kidding. All right. Yeah. Well, there you go. I am jotting that down. Yeah. It's the acoustic live version by Jeffrey Gaines. Guaranteed. It will make you like the song again. Awesome. At So Wizard Podcast for David, the producer, what song would you play on a boombox uh, on your true love's lawn? So would that be the lovely Juliet's lawn? Would you play that for yeah, her? Oh, cherry pie. <laughs> I have my answer, Ralph. <laughs> How about I want to fuck you like an animal by Nine Inch Nine Nails, Nine Inch Nails Closer? Closer? That's yeah. a good one. <laughs> what uh, what did I write down here? I have it somewhere here. God damn it, it's in my notes. I'll get to that later. I'll go, I'll come in the notes section. Oh, I have written down. How about Pop That Pussy by Two Life Crew? That's nice. That's oh, romantic. that was my wedding song, wasn't it? I mean, look. <laughs> It was that either that or table dance, but I thought that was too uncouth for a PG thirteen do, film. I uh, don't want no small dick man. I'll do that one instead. <laughs> right. uh, next one, let's see. Oh, last one at Taco Shirt Krillin. Even if you hate the movie, say anything. Have you ever heard of the band? Say anything. No. Uh, there is a tribute band in Chicago that does eighties music. That that is their name. And I'm sure there's many around the country. Uh, a late entrant at Bjorn Viking, Ken Bjorn Turner. Do you think they had to do the radio scene in one take? There is no way John Cusack's spindly arms can hold an 80s boombox for more than two takes. I mean, that thing probably has at least six D cell batteries, maybe eight. <laughs> well, being that I saw the movie just yesterday and the scene's only four seconds, I don't think it was that hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> His arms quivering because yeah. of those D batteries. <laughs> And that that's like a Radio Rahim boombox from, uh, from uh, uh, oh, my God, Do the Right Thing, I think, right? He, he was thing. probably shaking like in the sex scene. <laughs> <laughs> that is discussed in my notes. So I, I'm sure you're going to do that, too. And that's going to close it for Ask a Gutter. And, hey, everybody, no one listens to podcasts, uh, end of podcasts, so let's get the plugs in now. David, the producer, what would you like to talk about and share on this fine stage of ours? Sure, you can find Juliet's podcast at theunwritablerant.com. Very simple. To the point, succinct, love it. Ralph, you have a phone book worth of plugs, I'm sure. I'll do my best. Follow me everywhere at I am Ralph Sutton. My other, my two podcasts, one's called the SDR Show, Sex, Drugs, and Rock and Roll Show. I do that with Big Jay Okerson, comes out twice a week. 
My other one is on health and wellness called the Good Sugar Podcast. Comes out every Monday, and we're opening up our first location of a store on Third Avenue and 69th Street. It'll be open before the end of the month uh, as we're taping this. Good God, as if you don't have enough spare time eating up in your life, you're going to be a, a business owner on top of it in, in a uh, food industry? Small percentage, yeah, small percentage. Uh, oh, okay. The, the Gas Digital Network, which has now uh, 22 shows, 35 hours of entertainment every week. Wowie zowie. Gutting the sacred cow at gmail.com if you want to advertise with us or to say hi. And please leave us that five-star rating, two or three-sentence review on your podcast podcast platform of choice. And head on over to Gutting the Sacred Cow to grab yourself some sweet merch, hats, mugs, bags, cell phone holders, whatever. It's there. GuttingTheSacredCow.com, GuttingTheSacredCow at gmail.com. David, the producer, let's let you out and let's have you pop that bleach jean jacket collar of yours with 85 band pins all over it while you pull out something from Spencer's Gifts you just got at the mall and guts the sacred cow. Okay, before I got, I want to ask you both one question. And do you know the tagline of this movie? No, no. She's got everything going for her. He's got, or he's going for her with everything he's got. That's very long. No wonder why oh, it didn't stick out. It's, it's a lengthy subtitle. like the movie. Oof. The movie's yeah, only 100 it, minutes. That's not that long. Uh, you know what? For uh, for a movie in the 90s, no. It's uh, you know, just a little over 90 minutes. It wasn't a bad timing, just a bad movie. <laughs> you know, and I... I love a lot what Cameron Crowe does. I mean, Fast Times and, of course, uh, Almost Famous. He's got some great stuff out here. So I don't know how this turd got made, but there is not a single likable character in this movie. Every kid in this movie is devoid of any emotion at all. I mean, John Cusack pretty much plays the same part in every single movie he's in. I mean, I can just flip through every one of his movies. And even I'll even include that is so true. Time Machine. And he's still the same character. Gross point blank and high fidelity. And this character are all the same person. Manic, rapid talking, manic, rapid talking, manic, rapid talking, (laughs) talking to self. (laughs) He's borderline autistic. I cannot agree with you more. Well, and you got to throw in some uh, brooding every about five seconds. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I can sum up this movie by picking out the best part and picking out the worst part of this movie. So the worst part of this movie was the absolute lame sex scene. I mean, (laughs) who has lame sex scenes in movies in the 90s? I mean, they were scorching hot back then in a lot of cases. This one had nothing that you wanted. Him shaking uncontrollably, you know, apologizing for, you know, basically his uh, performance or lack thereof. It was really lame. To be but, fair, to be fair, it, it is PG thirteen, so you're not going to get the whole full on. I didn't fuck expect fest. full frontal. Yeah. Well, also, by the way, I'm going to argue he's supposed to be a virgin. Mm-hmm. He's supposed to be in love with her. Right. I'm sorry you've lost your teenage awe and wonder, but <laughs> I could relate to the idea of being so obsessed with a girl, finally getting to fuck her. And being emotional about it. I'm sorry you're a cold, heartless bastard. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I lost my nice. virginity at 12. That ship sailed, man. I just. Good know. God. What babysitter did your parents use? She was awesome, by the way. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it was. Oh. I was a two pump chump the first time around, though. Boy, that wasn't a good day for me. But I have to. I have to ask. No, that's 12. why he didn't have. He didn't have time to shiver. He was done before <laughs> it even started. I've seen. Yeah. Sne- I've seen sneezes last longer. David, how the hell did that happen? Uh, at a, uh, it was a keg party that I wasn't supposed to be at for obvious reasons. It was a girl that I went to uh, school with. Uh, previously up until sixth grade and then she went to a catholic girls school after that we ran into uh, each other at a party she was the one who initiated it she was the one who brought me upstairs in a in a parent's bedroom and then it was not great <laughs> it was not great. how, I mean, how it's much never I, great I'm, no. sorry I'm, I, on, on sdr we ask everybody about their first sexual experience they're never great so that's fine and that by the way makes it that scene in the movie make even more sense do it one last how, shake, how, how much older was she uh three years wow uh, she was only 15, yeah, she was 12, 15 i was 12. jesus wow. christ Pe- peaking before you have a license to drive god damn oh, she ruined me for life dude <laughs> at, least, at least now i know why you're so bitter yeah <laughs> all right continue sir so i talked about the worst part of that movie but the best part of the movie was watching john cusack getting kicked in the face (laughs) absolutely (laughs) that there was nothing to cheer for in this movie it was a love story that i just didn't care about either one of them being in love and i don't even think they made it believable at all it was really tough watching it and i got to go back because every time that i email you and I give you a movie, right, Kevin? I, yeah. I say to myself, I know I'm giving myself homework, but I feel now worse for this movie because I had to make you two watch it again as well. <laughs> and that just seems unfair. It I seemed- actually really enjoyed it. I was not, so I haven't seen it since it came out. I saw it in the theaters in 89 wow. and I've not watched it again. It's not, it's not a movie that's on TV often. You know, it, don't, it doesn't pop mm-hmm. up that often. And I was surprised and how much I did enjoy it. What I would say is that the B plot of her father getting arrested for that had really no consequence in the movie, though it didn't matter. That story no. brought nothing to the table either way. In a way, I guess it shows that she's a little flawed also, or her family's a little flawed. She's not as perfect as everyone wants to think she is. But uh it did whether it, that meant nothing to me. That's that subplot. But I thought it was a really good iconic high school experience for the 80s keep going yes. dave let's see I, let, I let, let, that, this. <laughs> that, was, that went kind of right over my head of being uh you know a good love story or a good uh, teenage story but you know his biggest accomplishment in the movie was getting that first date the whole movie was set up within the first like 15 20 minutes that he had to get this date and it was so important to him to get the date and then what's he do when he gets the date? He accepts the role of uh, party key master and essentially ditches her the whole party. That made oh. no sense to me. <laughs> I'm like, if I finally got a date with a girl that I really liked, I would absolutely be there spending time with her, getting to know her, you know, maybe take her upstairs in a room, embarrass myself after two seconds, you know, things like that. <laughs> can, I, can I counterpoint that? Uh, sure. So because... She obviously did not want to go out with him when she when he calls her. First of all, I, I like the message behind it. Take your shot, which is a great idea. You never know what will happen. Even when the guy asks him, how did you do it? He goes, I just called her. 
She said no 12 times when he finally suggested his goal is like friends and go. He did it right by pulling back. If he was obsessive right away, she wouldn't be interested. The part that made me laugh is what she said to uh, John Mahoney, the, the father. Uh, I'll have your daughter for the next eight hours. I was like, eight hours. Yeah, I know. Yeah, that the was same crazy. Thing. I'm like, we're gonna, how about we, how about we cut that in about eights and you'll have her back yeah. in an hour, yeah. you creep. Yeah, and the weird part was that first date, this dad's obviously over obsessive with her. You can tell yeah. immediately, and I'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, but he doesn't mind her spending overnight with this guy out of nowhere, and it just seemed a little off. Very much off. Exactly. She she led a shelter life. He's like, eight hours? No sweat. See when the newspaper guy's throwing the paper on the front porch. Like, that That doesn't happen. And your daughter is the headline. Right. I would say, if again, I'm going to play counter counterpoint here because I want to sh show why this movie makes sense to me. If you have a daughter that has never done anything wrong, she's always at the top of the class. She's doing everything right. The one time she wants to go out and party, maybe you give her a little fucking leeway. That's a lot of fucking leeway, Ralph. Obviously, you don't have kids. I don't have kids. I do not. <laughs> I'm just. I'm. A, you know, I'm I have a seven year old. Jesus yeah. Christ! I, and I was a you know wild guy younger. But, hey, she when her date comes to go out, like, hey, be back by two. That's yeah, pretty, that was a little weird. Eight yeah. hours was a little weird. That was weird. That's a shift at the local <laughs> mill. It's a shift. <laughs> okay, let's get into creepy Jim. We got it because we all know it's part of the movie. So. The first creepy thing that he does is he gives, you know, the car is fine. You know, it's that's a graduation gift. I get that. A lot of kids get, you know, a car for their graduation gift. But her mom's and it isn't clear if it's her wedding ring or not, but he puts it on her wedding finger. Oh, oh I didn't notice that. I didn't catch oh, that either. It's rough. Oh, yeah. And and as a graduation present, I could see if he gave her a ring for like a wedding present or something. But as a graduation gift, I don't know. Creepy Jim's starting to creep in. They're constantly kissing hello and goodbye. She calls her dad at the party and other places. Uh, she, oh, and then here. And she's not even Italian either. That's the weird part. <laughs> By the way, I had to call my mom my whole life. If I went anywhere, I had to call my mom when I got there. Uh -huh. was part of it, and I had to call her if I was going to be late. And it was a single parent, so maybe that makes sense to me. If it didn't make sense to you, gone God, are the day, gone are the days of carrying pocket change to use at a payphone. Like, all right, I'm here. Or, all right, come pick me up in front of the movie theater or at the arcade <laughs> or whatever. Uh, These were the days of latchkey kids, though. Yeah. I mean, you were just out all the time, you know. I, you know, I just didn't kind of buy that. But the this doesn't happen moment. Yes. Is when she tells her dad about having sex with Lloyd, who tells their father who what girl tells their father? Now, a boy I could see. But what girl tells her father that she had sex with a boyfriend? One that kisses her in the mouth openly often. I, I don't disagree. <laughs> And why is it that Joan Cusack has to be in every single uh, John Cusack movie? He stole Man. that from me. Damn Uncredited, it. though. Uncredited. Yeah. Just walked on. Just once a couple of scenes. A couple of scenes with zero chemistry. I'm not convinced they're related. I think that she's got like pictures of them or something. Because <laughs> they're in way too many movies together. The only thing they have in common is bad acting chops. Oh. That's it. Hmm. That's it. 
the scene in the 7-Eleven parking lot and when she's telling her sob story about her parents separating, Lloyd stops her mid-story, tells her not to step on the broken glass on the concrete, walks her around the glass, and then she continues with the story. There was absolutely no reason for that scene at all. If they were going into some symbolic bullshit, you know, like the glass represents her broken childhood, that's probably even more lame. But then fast forward and she tells that same shitty story to her dad and told him he makes me feel safe. That was the whole purpose for that scene. No, it's not. It's not like he draped his large uh, overcoat over a puddle and held her hand as he held over and said, Madame shall not sully the bottom of her shoes on such swill or something like that. So, again, I do see there's a lot of 80s pacing in this movie. Right. And that is just a you you lot. If I watch movies sometimes now from other countries, like if you watch a movie that's big in Russia right now or big in other that, that are a little bit behind the times, they feel like 80s movies because they're still trying to figure out the pacing. And that definitely is a victim in this movie. But I don't hold that as a negative. The storytelling is a little off because we were still relatively new in the world of big budget. And it, that, that doesn't bother me at all. It didn't bother me at all. No. Yeah, but John Hughes developed this formula. And I think a lot of other people copy that. So they, they know the pacing, the tempo, all that stuff. Right. They already had that down to a fine science. I don't know if I agree with that. Until that they have to introduce the one stupid element in every 80s and 90s movie, which oh, is... Oh, don't you say it. Don't you say it. I know you're going to say... The montage. Oh, I was going to say something else. Okay. No, the montage. So I love montages, damn it. Especially shopping ones, like Pretty Woman. <laughs> That's a great one. There's a cheap and easy way to progress the, the story, basically, that they know that they don't have to, enough time to tell the story. So they just speed up a bunch of parts and add a little soundtrack to it. And then you get shit done. I think the montage is uh, thank God that's not in movies anymore. I th- it's the worst, worst trope in movies. There's still training montages. You'll do that in, in, in fighting movies. You'll see. Hell those yeah. Bloodsport. Best one ever. Sometimes, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess they still do use the yeah, Creed. The it was trope. in Creed. I just saw the old watched one of the first Creeds. It was in that. Uh, just and that's not that old of a movie. Guys, how about but, Revenge of the Nerds when they were finding a house and painting it and building it up? And that's one of the best goddamn montages ever. <laughs> this montage, all they do is make out. That's it. There's different scenes of them making out. There's like three different cutscenes of them making out, and then it's over. And you go, we needed that. To be a montage, I don't think we did. And well, the other montage is them breaking up. Is the is another montage, right? That's in there also. When because the uh, oh, that's the stereo right. thing is is the, the that's part of the we're not in a relationship anymore montage. Right, right, and I, I, I'm got uh, John Cusack sad face montage. Yes. <laughs> By the way, Better Off Dead is a John Cusack movie, and that's one of my favorite movies of all time. So I hate Ooh, that film. That's so uh, wrong. Fire that movie. Oh, it got me into oh. Van Halen. That movie got me into Van Halen. It, well, it, it, it no good thing me. came out of it. Yeah, that's I mean that's, that's what I'll always synonymous with that movie. Is it made me love Van Halen. I was, I would argue, it's that goddamn quote that I absolutely despise. Two dollars. I want my two dollars. I mean, I hate when people throw that out there. That, ugh, not a fan. Sorry. Go ahead, Dave. No, that's okay. And then uh, she breaks up with him, and he said uh, he says he knows and hangs out with too many girls. What guy says that? <laughs> I hang out with too many girls. Liars. Unless you're a guy that hangs out with too many girls and lets one break your heart. 
that's the it's the worst setup ever because his three girl well he's got three girlfriends well three friends that are girls i should say and then of course the girlfriend the three friends that are girls they weren't doing him any favors they were just had the worst advice just like the guys did so he was just hanging out with assholes that, that just couldn't help him. that's what i think that was the point by yeah, the way yeah that I'm was the whole him. point of that scene is that he says he realizes his girls are giving him bad advice and then he goes to see the guys and the guys give him bad advice. So that's what the whole idea was. Do what you want to do. Do what feels right to you is what I took from that. Well, I then, it go, then he all, just hangs out with assholes. Well, th- that's every guy, though. Every guy had in their circle of friends or, 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 or secondary circle, those mm-hmm. two or three guys who had all the advice in the world. But when it came to a, a body count of women they've, they've slept with, it always add up to one at most. Mm-hmm. And between the two of them. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there's only one scene in this movie that I laughed out loud. And that was when the dad's credit card gets declined. And then the next scene, he cuts to fully clothed in the bathtub. In the yeah. fetal position. Yes. That was great. Yeah. I, I, I was, I know I wasn't supposed to be laughing. It wasn't built for that, but that scene was hysterical. I openly, I laughed my balls off too. I said, I this it. doesn't make like sense. It. Yeah. Also why the bathroom, it makes sense. And why in the actual bathtub? I know. Are you going to go in the bathroom and no one is it would be different if he was naked and the water was running. Right. He just sitting in the bathtub, which makes absolutely no yeah. sense. I agree with, with that. With a razor blade and Sarah McLaughlin playing in the background, <laughs> completely get you. I understand, but you're right. He's in there business casual in the tub, just chilling out. No water. The fuck? <laughs> and, you know, of course, everyone knows the pivotal scene. We talked about it the four seconds long. He's got the boom box, you know, over his head. When I remember seeing that scene the first time in the movie, I thought it was longer too. I thought mm-hmm. it was like a lot longer, but it it immediately made my sphincter tighten when I watched <laughs> it. I'm like, oh, this is worse than I remember it. This is like some guy just like stalking his girlfriend that has nothing to do or wanting nothing to do with him. So I'm like, oof, that's a little rough. It's also, yeah, I thought in my hindsight, that that scene was a pivotal scene to get her to come back to him. But right, it's it not. Was, that was surprising. Right. Yep. That, I think we all had the Mandela effect in that uh, part yeah, of the movie. For sure. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And there was no real reason why Lloyd went to go see her dad at the jail at the end. Now, because he said that Diane was in the car and she wasn't coming out. And that was her intent was to stay in the car. Uh, the only thing was to maybe give him the letter, but he asked for like his permission or told him the whole story of how he's going to uh, Europe with her for the school. And it's just going to do nothing but piss him off. So he really had no reason to be there other than just to hand him a letter. I think that because he said that she was going to go in originally and then she decided not to. And that's why he went in. So I think that's fine. That doesn't bother me at all. Hmm. Yeah, I thought, I he, I, I thought it was also maybe like kind of yeah. throwing his face just in a little bit. Kind of like, ah, after all that you've said and done, and here I am, I'm going to go away, away with her to England. And here you are, an orange jumpsuit. And by the way, yeah. that ending with the two of them on the plane and the, and the ding and it going to black was super memorable. I remembered that from 30-something years ago. I just watched it last night and I already forgot that. That's how it's a great ending when they said when I the thought it was, light comes I thought it was on, like a Sopranos ending. I thought, it was like, oh. <laughs> I thought it was awful because he's like, okay, just wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. 
wait for it. Ding. Go to black. I'm like, oh, I, liked oh, it. I forgot I liked how it. stupid that the sweet was. Sweet ending gives you hope they're going to be good, those kids. <laughs> That's uh. the thing. They didn't give me anything to really care if they did or didn't. I, I never got emotionally attached to them as a couple. I thought she was great. She was such a perfect, like, high school girl, dream girl. She really was. So pretty I thought and that natural. she smiled at inappropriate times. I think she was oh. a little creepy like her dad. <laughs> oh, there you go. She, I agree. She was like that high. She was high school hot, but not yeah, like a porn star. Exactly. And not porn star. Like how the hell like Denise Richards and wild things was in high school. Fuck out of here. <laughs> Although I thoroughly enjoyed yeah. her. Don't get me wrong. That's definitely a top five moment for me, but you're right. High school, hot, believably hot, but not over the right. top. Like this bitch doesn't belong here. Who are we kidding? Right. And he was the quirky outsider guy wearing the stupid cure t-shirts that Nobody was like, what the fuck are you doing with this guy? I, I got it all. That, I, I can get it. I liked it. David, yeah, are I just you couldn't okay. connect with it. Yeah, I, I couldn't connect with it because every time I see John Cusack in a movie, he takes me out of it because I know he's going to play the same damn part every single time. Hold on. I, I have, have I, to worry too much about that. I have, the, I have the exception to the rule. Ready? Two words. Con yeah. air. Hmm. I'd have to go back and rewatch that one. It's been, it's been a hot minute. It's fucking great. Still is good movie. Yeah, man. Uh, David, is that all your notes? You got more? That's it. Uh, other than I had the same IRS subplot uh, that is completely unnecessary and didn't really move the story forward, and it really just made his dad or her dad just look like an asshole, and there was no need for it. Right. Give me a number one to ten. Four and a half. Okay. Didn't hate this much as Dirty Dancing or other ones that you've done. Oh, God, no. No, I can't <laughs> even watch that one. <laughs> Ralph Sutton, you've tipped your hand pretty uh, pretty heavily here, but go ahead, throw in the rest I'm, of your notes I'm going to add some cool things, little things about this movie that made me like it even more, right? First of all, sure. it is uh, Cameron Crowe's uh, directorial debut. I didn't realize mm -hmm. that it's his first film, right? Um, Frazier's dad is in it, John Mahoney, but also yep. Frazier's wife is in it briefly, Bebby Newer. Yeah. So it's like a little mini Frasier reunion or, or a preview in the movie. Uh, you also have Jeremy Piven's first movie. Yeah. Eric Stoltz is in it. Yeah. So it's kind of packed with people that they're just starting out their careers. And that's always fun when you're watching it 35 years later to see them. Do you know the story between Piven and Cusack? I know he got really drunk. The with Chicago guys. Right. They were. So Cusack was it? God damn it. I think it was Piven's mom. One of their parents had an acting studio or taught an acting Step class. Theater. Right. In Chicago. Yeah, you're Chicago guy. Shit, you know. They were the best of friends for years, helping each other out, getting each other roles. And then Piven gets Entourage and long and short forgets Cusack ever exists. In true Piven fashion, from what I've heard. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, they, he's, they say the, the term, which I always like to hear this. He says, you can say anything to me. When they say the title of a movie in a movie, you got to give him an extra point. Oh, you son of a bitch. It's in my notes. That's okay, also, that, that was Gossard from Pearl Jam's in it. That's yeah. Fucking cool as shit. Right? Cool is, yeah. Um, yeah. Also, as I said earlier, Bitcher's Man is just a fucking great line. That line alone is worth giving an extra half a point for you, Dave. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm and with then, you. Uh, other little things I found out, which is it's the same dojo as they used in Karate Kid. That's fucking cool as shit. Yep. That's in there as well. And then the original uh, idea, because you mentioned this earlier about the, the song, they gave it to the Smithereens to write a song. Mm -hmm. They wrote a Waiting for a Girl Like You, a Girl Like You, rather, by Smithereens. That's and uh, Cameron Crowe thought it was too on the nose 
So they didn't use it, but then it ended up getting on the Smithereens record. So that's another half a point because that's a fucking great song. But it didn't make the movie. Yeah. Inspired them to put it out. That's fucking cool as shit. (laughs) You know what? I do have to address something that you brought up earlier, which was uh, the Frazier's wife that played the uh, counselor when she went to the uh, party. What counselor, high school counselor, goes to a high school party? A fucking cool as shit one. That's the answer right there. Yeah. One who's fucking at least five of the dudes about to graduate. That's who. Exactly. Yeah, love it. That's why I give you, should give you another extra point. Fucking hey, man, hot <laughs> PP New Earth in her twenties. I'll never get my senior prom. My marketing teacher, he was he was he was slick as shit, and there was rumor of him rumors of him banging some of the the, the students. He shows up. I'm talking at my prom, and we're bullshitting. And the smoke show when I was a freshman, she was a senior. Walks in to my senior prom again four years later. I go, is that Andrea so and so? He goes, yeah. He was like. Hey, goatee, I'll see you later. I'm like, you son of a bitch. You know, my Still- uh, high school principal had to leave because he fucked one of the students. No. Yeah, yeah. I had a gym teacher. Same thing. Yeah. Had to go. Oh, it's an epidemic, but the best one ever. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph, what are the notes you have? Uh, I just feel that, again, I really related to it in understanding the high school experience, especially I had a, a Diane Court. I had a girl that I was fucking crazy about. I finally got the balls to ask her to prom and I was just asking. And then some other dude, we were at like a senior getaway and then she was about to like, I asked her, she goes, let me, yeah, I think so. And then some other dude came up and just got drunk with her, started making out with her and I never got to take her to prom. So I saw, saw Lloyd as a, a finished version of what I almost accomplished and that I felt I could relate to it. It made me, Happy that someone had that experience. Ralph, yeah, you're not looking at this objectively at all. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> See now, she's with that guy who polishes, you know, rims over at the uh, the tire center. But Ralph owns a goddamn podcast network, so yeah. she chose poorly. She chose poorly. Yeah, she that's did. for sure. Now, I and by the way, in not seeing it in thirty something years, I turned it on yesterday, thinking, "Oh, this is going to be rough, but let me see if it holds up." And I was like, oh, you know what? This was fucking enjoyable. It was a fun movie because it was only about 96 minutes long or something. It goes right. by relatively quickly. I says, I said, I thought that uh, Diane Court, Iona, whatever her name is. Iona Sky. Iona Sky. Sky yeah. Nailed being the unobtainable, perfect high school girl perfectly. And also, what's her name? Pamela Adlon is in it. And she's awesome. And she went on to a great career. Mm. It stacked the cast with a lot of people who went on to other things. So for all those different reasons, I'm solidly behind this move. Give me a number, one to ten. Eight. Whoa! Whoa. Yeah. By the way, so I only sc- me back. Boy, that girl really must have broke your heart. Yeah. Bring me back to those happy days. That's all it is. So this is all nostalgia-based fuel. This is not based yeah. on the actual <laughs> merits of the film. That's what I smell out of this argument. <laughs> yep. By the way, do you know? Do you know who Ioni Sky's first husband was? Oh yeah, Anthony Kiedis from the Chili Peppers. Wrong, Adam Horowitz. Beastie oh, Boys. Sorry, but oh. she was dating uh, Anthony Kiedis during this movie, and that's why Chili Peppers are in the movie. Yeah, but Crazy. she's married. Madam uh, married Adam Horowitz. Uh, oh, that's cool. Filmed she's in LA, ticket, supposed dude. to be Seattle. We got an eight, and we got a four. Well, let's find out where this man's reviews come from. Notes. 
I must have been the only one who did not have goofy shit happen at their high school graduation because every high school graduation you see in films, something silly happens. The only thing we had happen at mine was one girl, her name was Gay Charles, but take a guess on how much hazing she received for four years to the point where she had to change her name from Gay Charles to Renita Charles. And of course, when she walked down the aisle to get her diploma, we all yelled out, Gay Charles. <laughs> That's great. That's it. Did you guys have You're any... such a child. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? What uh, did you did you guys have anything uh, special happen at your graduations, or are they just boring as shit as usual? My high school graduation. My high school was fucking huge. There was over a thousand people in the graduating class. Oof. So it was kind of uh, short because they didn't. You didn't walk out one at a time. They just said, "All right, everybody, you're officially graduated." They didn't read out anybody's names at all. Oh my god! They got an assembly yeah. line. That stinks. Yeah. David, David, you. Uh, only one thing, and it was uh, unfortunately me who was involved. So I decided that it would be a good idea because I thought it would be funny. Uh, hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, to drop my pants as I was accepting my diploma. Atta boy, that's wow. a David I know. Yeah. Did, did you wear those cop mirrored sunglasses on stage on your ass as well? No, <laughs> did I did you, not. Did you show your ass to the audience? I did. I pulled up the back of the uh, you know robe and showed, and I got. Uh, I had to go to summer school for that <laughs> summer uh, <laughs> because they decided to remove some credits from me, and I ended up graduating late. No wonder you hate all these high school-based movies. Yeah. It makes so much more sense now. How, but you, but you left <laughs> the part out. High school. You left the part out where you wrote "Magna Come Louder" on your ass crack, though, <laughs> above your ass crack. Uh, next one. I highly doubt that any white guys are ever allowed to sing Whitney Houston songs in public ever. Stop that. No one's buying that. You're not allowed to if you're a white guy. Cut the bullshit. <laughs> High school graduation is one of the most videotaped things that no one ever rewatches unless someone trips while getting their diploma or if the valedictorian drops a racial slur or if you're David, the producer, you show your ass on stage. By the way, you guys, you guys missed the best song. I'm Ralph. I'm shocked that I thought this was going to go right up your alley. How dare none of you catch that? It's Crown of Thorns by Mother Love Bone in the background, which oh, wow. is recycled in singles. Horrible film. Soundtrack is top 10 of all time. Top 20 of all time, I'll say. If John Cusack really loved that nephew of his, he cut that goddamn mullet right off. That was just... I couldn't stop staring oh, at that, that kid and getting was adorable, angry. By the way, he was adorable. That kid. He, he was adorable. He was very much of the Jerry Maguire kind of kid-ish yes. feel, but that mullet just kept like grabbing me. Like enough. Like okay, if you don't cut that mullet off, you're guaranteed to be a frozen food manager at a supermarket for the rest of your years. That's what that says to me. Iona Sky looks like she was 31 years old when this film came out. I looked it up. She was 18. Yeah, I was like, 18. you bite your tongue. She was hot as shit in that movie. She was, but she did not look. <laughs> she was 31. She looked old, old. But listen, those Brits, most of them, age like seafood in the sun, unless, of course, it's Elizabeth Hurley, Kate Beckinsale, or Rachel Weiss. All verified smoke shows. <laughs> John Cusack, sorry, Joan Cusack and Maggie Gyllenhaal lost the genetics war in the brother-sister acting family. Oh, did they? Oh, did they? But let's be fair, Patricia Arquette, best David Ray, Brandy destroys Ray J, and Journey beats Jussie Smollett in the looks and false lawsuit department as well. What about ding, the ding. Justin and Jason Bateman? The Justine Justine and Jason Bateman. Just Damn yeah. it, I forgot about that. I got to say yeah. just uh, Jason Bateman. Jason wins that one. Oh, yeah. please, oh, hands down. Hands down. 
This isn't the most awkward phone call you've ever heard for a date. I've, I wish we could have videotaped or audio recorded all of us as 16-year-olds calling girls on the phone. <laughs> you, would have, you would have had shivers go up your fucking buttholes if you would have heard me call for dates. More cringy than Joe Biden trying to rap. But the worst documented phone call for a date in a film without question, fellas, is Swingers. John Swingers. Favreau. Oh, that as a yeah. dude, you go, oh man, don't do it. Just stop. <laughs> oh, come on. Where's You're your right. where's your value and self-appeal? Kickboxing is a sport of the future, he says. If they rebooted this movie today, it would be an autistic kid saying that e-gaming is the sport of the future. <laughs> and they'd both Very be true. right. <laughs> I love seeing the random black guy at the party with a jerry curl. Simpler times, and thank God the white kids did not ask him to break dance on cardboard at this party. I thought the same thing as they were doing the pan by with him in the in the crowd shot. I'm like, yeah, here wow. comes some popping and locking kids. They're gonna do the you old know, stereotypes up. I may have brought this up, but I, I as a former breakdancer, I was in one of the breakdancing movies called Crush Groove when I was a kid. No uh, way! Yeah, You're yeah, in yeah. Crush Groove. I was in Crush Groove, yeah. For the I got uh, hired uh, to be in the movie breakdancing. The scene got cut, but we I was picked out of it. Uh, we were break. I used to breakdance for money in the streets of New York City when I was a kid, and we got picked to be in the movie. I guess someone saw Electric Two, Electric Boogaloo, eighty-five times in the theater. I have a. If you buy the woman who wrote the song, I believe in the beat, the soundtrack of uh, Breaking Two. She had another song called Ninety Nine and a Half, and on her album it says, "Thanks to Ralph and Joe Sutton for my breakdance lessons." What the hell is going on? Where I get all these gems about Ralph dropped every time we hang out? That's hilarious. <laughs> I will say this house party is much more believable than a lot of these house parties you see in teenage films, especially John Hughes films, where kids are just doing the shit that no one did. They're John Hughes films, they're toilet papering the host house by at random. Biker gangs crashing through the house like weird science, shut up. Or the worst, and I just still annoys me. 16 candles, someone puts a full goddamn pizza on the turntable. Fuck you. No one wastes yeah. pizza. No one did that. That doesn't happen <laughs> and by the way it was realistic also because he said no one ever helps me clean up this party a hundred percent great that that was in there it adds a little more realism eric's yeah love eric Stoltz. Second realism best. no no more entertainment value though <laughs> <laughs> made me made me feel like i was there dave what can i tell you <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Jeremy Piven with hair and pre-sexual harassment charges. <laughs> it looks like Silent Bob stole the Lloyd Dobler overcoat look. That and guys who expose themselves at bus stations look. <laughs> Here's a hybrid. Iona Sky looks like Nancy from Nightmare on Elm Street and Reese Witherspoon. Ooh, I think you nailed it. Thank you. Yeah. It's one of those insanely talents I have that it can never be monetized. <laughs> <laughs> Yet another here's another uh, problem I have this film yet another high school party and no one's fucking that is bullshit someone is yep. always getting jerked off in a closet at the very minimum stop it <laughs> I never felt the need to grab a chalkboard and write Kevin presents XYZ movie while showing a movie to my friends like Lloyd did Lloyd presents cocoon what the fuck is this this is nonsense well, and what was that scene even about it was about nothing it was like they tried to make a gag out of it yes we're showing old people a movie about old people right uh, that was about as funny as it got and I'm like this scene does nothing are we trying to build sympathy for the people that he's eventually ripping off if so didn't work yeah. I also had to look up what year Cocoon came out because I was surprised. 88. 
Yeah, it was one year before, so it's cool that it actually got mentioned so closely after that came out. That's pretty wild. Actually, You're they're really the- stretching to find cool things about this movie, <laughs> aren't you, Ralph? <laughs> uh, I will go on a limb and say that they are fi- Cocoon was probably in the theater when they were filming, as the rule usually is. They film a year, and it comes out a year later. And then yet another talent that is completely useless and unmonetizable for me, where I know the year of movies and when they come out. I can just spout it out like fucking rain. I wonder Man. if it was probably the same uh, production company, I would imagine. Right, That's probably why it got plugged. Good question. Uh, damn it, wasn't it? I know who the production company was because it was someone well known. It wasn't this. I don't think it was the same. We can look at that up in a moment. Hey, how many dumb dildos played in your eyes while in the back seat with the lady? Because they figured if it works for the cues, it's got to work for me. I mean, I'm yeah, sure many to this day. Oh, uh, speaking of, I have a I have a class action lawsuit against John Hughes' estate for making me go through all these charades thinking that that's what women wanted back in the 80s and 90s and Kevin with his bat on his shoulders striking viciously out as a teenager. Thanks, dickheads. Yeah. And why didn't anyone write the parody in my thighs? I'm just checking. <laughs> Weird Al, missed that one. Yeah. Missed that one. Minute 51, David, this is what I thought you were going for. Minute 51 in, and they work the title of the movie into the dialogue. The 80s and 90s unnecessarily shoehorn those titles in. No bigger victim than, of course, Steven Seagal by saying, you know, I'll be out. Out for justice. Uh, like, and same thing, I'll just say anything. I go, oh, for f-, I go, I'm watching with my wife, I go, oh, for fuck's sakes. And I throw my pad in the air. That was a whole thing on Family Guy where they made a list of every I movie know. that said it. So it fucking makes me happy when I hear that. <laughs> the nostalgia bell clanks so hard for Ralph Sutton. God bless you. Lloyd is a lot less creepy from Ducky and Pretty in Pink, but doing the note to self bit in his cassette recorder is a bit much. Why? Are you going to play a mixtape of the best of Lloyd before he dies of autoerotic asphyxiation? <laughs> Probably not. In a yeah, world where we don't was have missing no was pad. a belt around his neck. Yeah. <laughs> David Carradine, table <laughs> of one. <laughs> or Michael nowadays, Hutchins. Nowadays, you would just open up your Google Notes and write something down. So I, I get it. He might be listening back to it later to see what he was thinking about. I got no problem with it. <laughs> <laughs> Ralph, you are a glass half full kind of guy. Oh, he is. <laughs> Surprise, John Mahoney doesn't do what everyone is told when their credit card has been rejected, and that's yell at them to run it three more times to blame covering up for the embarrassment. <laughs> By the way, I enjoyed that scene immensely because he yeah. really thought he was trying to make moves on that girl. That girl was hot, too. Bro. She, she was hot. Woman. She was yeah, great. And the other guy watching on is like, oh, look at you, man. You're going to make this happen. That was great. It was a good scene. Did any of you two have the audacity or stupidity, I should say, to stand outside of a, a house that, of a girl you liked and play a song just because of this film? Never. Never did that. Ralph, you pa- you paused for a second, man. No, I think <laughs> one of my friends did something much worse when he broke up. When a girl broke up with him, it's not me. It was one of my best friends. He went over to the house and he nailed dead roses to her door. Oh, funny you say that because my next note, standing outside of a house and blurring out song, How Juvenile, everyone knows you make a mixtape, tape it to a dead squirrel, and put it in her mailbox, and then carve her name into your arm, duh. <laughs> Here's, yeah. another, here's another problem I have with this film. Why doesn't John Mahoney pay for that luggage with all the cash that he has in the house? Are you shitting me? Great point. Why Two would credit you cards credit? he fills. He's got stack. He's got biggie small stacks of cash in that credenza. Yet he's, he's worried got about a granny card cash closet. for days. Right. Yeah. You really loosely based all that part. You really never really. It's just it's a such a nonsensical 
B story that didn't need yeah. to be in there. Next point. This is a weird avenue to go down with dad committing Medicare fraud, for Christ's sakes. This is like the rape angle with the oldest daughter and Uncle Buck. But hey, at least there are laughs 45 seconds later. Not in this film. This could not be any wider of a crime except robbing an art gallery. <laughs> Ione at least Scott. It was on yeah, at least it what? At least it was on brand. He was a very white guy. It's a very white film. It's a very white crime. Oh, my God. The whitest of white. Well, then again, when you're in Seattle, what the hell do you expect? Except right. the only thing missing was seeing Lane Staley walk down the street with a needle hanging out of his arm. R.I.P. <laughs> Lane. God damn, I love them. Uh, next one. Keymaster. You said this before, David. The last thing I would do as a teenager is accept the responsibility of holding a bag of keys when I bring the hottest girl to a party where every wolf is out trying to pick her up and bang her. I am covering her like the fucking Secret Service on top of the president, for Christ's sake. I am not letting her. <laughs> out of my sight i am doing everything in my power to get her drunk and possibly have sex and get drunk myself but to be to be the role of a social protectorate that doesn't happen it shows that he is a protector and that's why he protected her with the glass it's on brand for him. Oh, you are reaching like Inspector Gadget on that. You know one. what? Yeah, Ralph is my new favorite person. <laughs> I love that he just finds the really just you know what he grasps onto in the movie. And you know what? I I, I got to hand it to you, Ralph. I understand why you personally love this movie. I think it's people like Kevin and myself. That <laughs> I'm not there yet. You bitter guys. What can I tell you? <laughs> bitter, bitter men. <laughs> Says the guy who hated Avengers Endgame, I'll say. That's yeah. you. Ralph, are you on Cameron Crowe's payroll? Did I miss Is he coming on SCR? <laughs> is he the mystery guest? I will say week? again, I went into this yesterday thinking I wasn't going to enjoy the film. Right. Yeah. So I had an, well, a mind of that. All right. Next, next week, you're going to see Cameron Crowe on Gas Digital. <laughs> Without yeah. a fail. Ione Sky is wearing a hat on the plane that even Blossom would have said, Christ, that's ugly. Take that off. Yeah, also, it looked weird that she was able to sit with her head right. against the seat with that big brim the of thing. the hat. That was weird. I but thought the same thing. Like, she had to be perfectly, like, just, and she, and she never tilted or moved her yeah, head it had either. To be, like she probably ahead. couldn't have moved, I that, imagine. That was from years going to finishing school with books on her head to have perfect posture. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, here's something my wife noticed, actually. I get my wife credit for this. When they're on the plane, did you notice how large those seats were in coach? Holy shit. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, I don't need to pay for extra leg room for once. Christ, I'm 6'2". I mean, as a than man I who's 6'6", I yeah. understand that, you know, yeah. and... But I did remember that is what it used to be. Uh -huh. So that's the good old days. I do remember that. Remember the days when people complain about airline food? Now you have to pay to get shitty airline food. So there. Yeah. The whole meeting with the dad in jail was just meh. I thought it would have had way more gravitas besides him just handing the pen back like, oh, here you go. Get it? All right, subtlety. Like the sledgehammer to the balls. We get it. <laughs> this film is completely unremarkable. I didn't laugh. I smirked. Actually, I laughed a couple of times uh, with the kids at the at the sip and stop, whatever the hell it's called. Jeremy Piven is an annoying character as usual. I, well, I love him in Entourage, I will say. In teen rom-coms, here's my problem. There are always at least, at least two memorable characters. It's not Jeremy Piven. It's not Eric Stoltz. It's not Lily Taylor. Who the fuck is it? This film is one memorable scene, and as you both said, four seconds. Couldn't believe. I thought there was a whole... You're exactly right. I thought it was a five-minute montage at best. 
And here we go, four seconds. It's known for that one scene. Who's running around saying, man, say anything? Boy, does that hold mustard? No one. No one. I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it, but I sure was not entertained. I do not know for the life of me why this is so beloved. How are people making the case for entertain? I get it. It hits nostalgia notes, Ralph Sutton. I understand. And like I said, this is not a class, a master class in how to land the hot chick in school, fellas. For all you kids, like, let's go. I'm an old soul. Let's watch 80s movies and 90s movies to figure out how to get girls. No, stop yourself. Save yourself time. Just go on, uh, on app. It's a lot easier. Because you know what? These movies put me in the friend zone way more than that sexually confused kid who was in chorus class through high school and then went to college and learned he was gay. <laughs> well, you know, when I saw him, you know, drop some tears, John doesn't know how to act with cry. He tried to cry in that scene and couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. You talking about the sex scene? No, not the sex scene. No, 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 no. When she broke up with him. Oh, she broke up with him. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I like he him. was making the sounds of his throat, like, like, like he was going to, or like he's going to cry. Yeah, by the way, I did feel that was a pretty believable scene in that she broke up with him in a way where it didn't even seem like she was breaking up with him because she didn't know what she wanted either. So she was just doing what her father wanted. I, I found that scene believable. But what From made it ridiculous is that she just turns her head to the window, goes like this and goes, I'm just going to ignore him now. Yeah. <laughs> she was embarrassed. You don't know how to deal with your fucking your emotions at that at, at that age. But then she realized, I'm so embarrassed. I nailed a gork who's shivering like a fucking squirrel in the, in the wintertime. Again, everyone, I don't know about you, but my first moments after uh, inter my first intercourse was just, ah, and this going through all the people in my mind. I couldn't wait to run home and call and tell them I just got lost my virginity too. That's what it was for me. More yes. of like, oh, thank God. Oh. I barely got the I'm sorry out before I started <laughs> calling my buddies. Yeah. As David Sells says, what usually comes after the first time you come so fast? How about a back massage? Oh, <laughs> it'll come back. I promise. Uh, I, I, to, play, to play devil's advocate, by the way, I'm sure all three of us across the board did not nail our high school love. No, the girl that no. we uh, dreamed to be with as our first sexual experience. Definitely so not. None of us are right to answer that question. We're just going to play a game called what if. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. I give this a four and a half out of ten. Ugh, no, no love for this whatsoever. It's better than some of those John uh, Hughes ones. John Hughes, like I said before, love and hate. I hate the pretty. I hate the Molly Ringwald trilogy. That's what it comes down to. His other stuff is great. Critics five star reviews. Cameron Crowe's graduation speech homilies are given an effervescent sincerity by John Cusack. Word soup. <laughs> what the fuck are you saying say anything no sense. thank you if you think that was bad here's another one say anything was a singularly singularly three-dimensional teen romance after a decade of broad gags and breakfast clubs breakfast club stereotypes in john hughes land I, actually that makes more sense i'll buy that it makes that. sense but i don't agree with it fair i like breakfast club i hate I like it so much club. See, Breakfast guys, Club is a, it's an 80s movie I can enjoy. Guys, he smokes pot and then starts running around like he's on fucking PCP and punches his hand through a glass window on pot. Maybe Enough. it was laced with something. You don't know. 
Yeah. Then why is everybody else not running like a no, maniac? He was just angry. He's just an angry man. Oh, it was, they're all, I hate that film. Next. <laughs> God, I hate it. Uh, even though there are some unexpected leaps in the plot, the emotional genuineness, genuineness wins out. Does it? Ugh, no, it doesn't. Mm. Not in my book. What makes Crow's film worth seeing is the writer's care in developing characters into situations of infinitely greater credibility than those which, which litter 99% of today's adolescent screen romances. Disagree. What's, yeah. What screen? What, I think what it came out at a time. Here's what I think. I think yeah. when it came out, it was a lot of nonsense, and it was the first one to try and give a little backstory and a little care. So that's why it did so well. Makes sense. I, I will say that that is probably the the one piece of credit I'll give this movie is that it differentiated against the previous movies on how they handled teen, you know, love, right. teen Fair. romance. Right. Again, see John Hughes. That's default. <laughs> Amazon one star review. This is an iconic role for John Cusack and easily one of the movies that made him such a respectable actor today. Repeat, that was a critic's one-star review. And the only critic's one-star on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Can you believe that? Drop it to 98%, not 100%. I I will assume so. (laughs) Amazon, five-star reviews. One of the reasons we Gen X women probably have unrealistic relationship expectations would be this movie and others like it. But it's still one of my favorites. Who can forget the boombox scene? Signed, Juliet Miranda. <laughs> See, there you go. You know, people remembering it for a four-second scene that we all thought was much more pivotal. Yeah, there is a chance a lot would know the infamous boombox part of the movie, and yeah, it would not fly today. I'm iffy about it. There are worse things out there, but don't let that keep you from seeing this movie. It is an excellent romantic comedy worth seeing. Signed, Harvey Weinstein. Right, well... First of all, romantic, I will give it. Comedy, sure. there are no yeah, it's freaking It's not a laughs. comedy. It's more of a dramedy, I guess. I don't even say that because, I, Raph, I looked it up on uh, Google. I said, is this a comedy? Teenage drama. Yeah, it's not, yes. it's not really a comedy. Not, not a comedy. A, yeah. With there comedic no elements. In there. Besides the I kids, mean, that's the it. Bitches, bitches, that's please. It. That, that was a great line. It really was a good line. That one line and him sh- him in the bathtub still. Yeah. That's comedy gold. Also, me. by the way, funny with the scene with the kid, the, the father's credit card getting declined. That was, was good. Funny. That was a yes. good scene. By the way, do you think Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg saw that bitches man and said, let's make a movie out of a entire character like that and call him McLovin? <laughs> <laughs> John Cusack. Oh, thank you. John Cusack always really has an amazing female co-star acting beside him, and Diane Court is exceptionally gorgeous, witty, and easygoing. And John Cusack plays just a regular guy just trying to get a shot at an amazing girl, which I vicariously live through, LOL. Signed, Jason Momoa. All right, that's interesting. (laughs) That's interesting. My wife loves this, entertains and works as advertised, and expected most expectable. What? Yeah. What do you mean it works as advertised? Is this like her? Is this getting her all juicy downstairs and says, all right, the cues is on TV. And if yeah. she hears in your eyes, she's going to spread them. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, <you> <laughs> yeah. Amazon one star reviews. 
Cameron Crowe's stories are dull. The characters are flat, ridiculous, and speak like whiny robots who are trying to emulate human emotion but failing miserably. Just don't. If you haven't seen it, don't bother. If you saw it as a teen and loved it, don't rewatch it. You'll regret it. I don't. That is an addendum to my review of the show, by the way. No. By the way, Cameron Crowe, we all know he wrote Fast Times. Boy, Fast Times, it was done in this very podcast. The first half is gangbusters. That second half, though, falls off a cliff. I haven't seen that in a long time, but I did love that movie growing up. That was yeah. one of my favorites. We all did, and we yeah. all love the a certain scene, but after about minute 45, you're like, oh, it starts to, uh, and then the jokes disappear like a fart in the wind. Next, I'm not sure what the hype is about. Horrible movie. Promotes underage drinking and premarital sex. Makes everything seem glamorous. There are so many other terrible things about this movie besides the terrible storyline and acting, but not worth my breath. Signed, Warren Beatty. I was going to say, Sister Anne Marie. (laughs) Next one. I like this one. Don't say anything. (laughs) I was going to rename the movie Say Anything Entertaining, and I'll watch it again. almost as long as the subtitle it was the log line it came oh that's whoever is in marketing i went to either county college or they just had some intern whip that up and go fuck it it's five o'clock on a friday we need to go to print hey yeah don't worry about it it's just a john cusack movie yeah (laughs) mind-boggling dribble dribble from a director who brilliantly brought us almost famous the majority of the reviewers rate this a minor classic i found the script acting and dull and stereotyped boring and vacuous I'm going to get that put on a T-shirt. <laughs> Ralph Sutton, did David, the producer, gut the sacred cow? Not to me. Only I would say is that might drop it down to a seven, then an eight. Ooh, then he did gut the sacred cow because he dropped the score. The only reason why is I, I do feel a lot of it is nostalgia, but I yeah. do like that it wasn't marketed as a comedy. It was marketed as a teen drama. Mm-hmm. So to me, that makes sense. But I think I just came in a little hot with an eight. I just should have <laughs> very hot. Been a seven. It should have yeah. been a seven. Eight That's is all. like eight is. Yeah, a- it should have been a seven. It had nothing to do with David. I should. I just came in high, yeah. <laughs> high and hot for that matter. <laughs> David, the producer, Ralph Sutton. God damn, this is a nice little experiment in science that went perfectly. Yeah. Had a blast with you boys. Look forward to having you on again in the future. Everyone, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Take care. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.